Welcome to Calling Cards Podcast. I'm Lydia. And I'm Tay, and this is normally a podcast about Nalini Singh's paranormal romance series, The Side Changelings. But we are changing it up. And deep diving back into our first love, Bridgerton, and recapping season two. That's right. And today we're breaking down season two, episode four, Victory. Yeah, I don't know if that, that's an apt n- apt name for this episode. <laughs> it's clearly a very ironic one, and I have to say, I I didn't really get it until I rewatched the ending. Hmm. <laughs> Such as it is. <laughs> So I will say, mm-hmm. I like this episode up until the last, like, ten minutes. And then I just want to punch everybody because everybody's stupid. <laughs> that sounds like my aunt. It sounds like this was the, the straw that broke the camel's back for her because of because of the ending. Diverging from the books. I think, like, spelling the, like, for certain, like, how different it was going to be from the books. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's not even so, matter, so much a matter of, like, it being different from the books for okay. me. It's just literally the stupidity, the stupidity of every character yeah i think if it could if it had been a little bit better written mm. i would be less angry with it yeah and it's literally the last 10 minutes and i have very few issues with the next episode too and okay. like uh, i've said multiple times most of my issues with this season lie episode in six. the trash heap that is episode six oh, no. um and i'm very excited i am like really waiting for the day like you text me and you're like so i watched episode six what the fuck yeah um that day is coming soon because I had such a hard time stopping after watching this episode. I had such a hard time, but I had been saying, like, I'm doing it one by one. All right, we're now at the end of this episode. We'll now be halfway through the season. And um, you and I are going to take a quick break uh, because mm-hmm. we deserve it. <laughs> We've been doing this every week and um, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a week long break. And then we'll be back with episode five. And when we come back, I will have watched all of them. I'm binge watching this weekend. I'm, I'm done with my one by one. I made it four episodes in. It wasn't hard the first two episodes, but I want to talk to people about it. I want to see what happened next. I actually pulled up Netflix like two different times after watching this episode and tried to like watch episode five. And I was like, no, like take your note. Like, cause I was, I knew if I did that, it would be so hard for me to focus on this episode. So anyway, that day is coming very soon when I can text you and say, ah, you were right. I'm feeling feelings or whatever it is something yeah let me tell you oh boy but um okay well awesome that's yeah. awesome that's yeah. very exciting it's good um, um yeah i i liked this episode i had some issues with it as you know everything because nothing's perfect but um no i overall liked it and uh i i really enjoyed watching it and that was really fun because the last episode i it was 50 50 so i really enjoyed this one like I said, I, I really enjoy this one up until the, like the last 10 minutes. Bef- and that's just when I get really salty. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the older I get, the more the less patience I have for people being stupid. Hmm, like, like it's just more that I am not a stupid watcher. I am not a stupid viewer. 
And I feel like a lot of the times, writers seem to think viewers are stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, most viewers are not stupid. Mm-hmm. And this kind of whole, we need to, um, I can't think of the word. Dumb it down? Cater to Dumb it, the lowest? Subvert. Subvert the, ah. subvert the watcher mm. pisses me off. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to subvert the watcher. Giving something in a very, like, casual or even just, you know not quote-unquote dramatic way is fine mm-hmm. there's no reason figure it out exactly and i just i feel like especially in this one it was really like mm-hmm. a point to be like it was really a, a way to subvert book fans and i didn't like that you mean subvert our expectations as book fans of what subvert our next. expectations uh-huh. yeah yeah and be like well this isn't how it is gonna go mm-hmm. And I, I didn't appreciate, I don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I am perfectly fine with changes being made to the material. I don't have any issues with that. I've, I, like I said, I've really liked this season up until, you know, this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love some of the changes that they've made. But I just, again, the subverting expectations mm-hmm. in the emphasis, in um, how do I say this again? By way of doing something like really far out in left field, yeah, like the end of this episode, mm-hmm. um, just is like why? Like too much of a gotcha moment of like you you thought you knew it was happening because you've read the books, but we we've got something up our sleeves um, that isn't <laughs> that isn't earned. Yeah, yeah, it's not earned, and then I just think. This is when I think the pace for me started to slow down. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so, like, I think episode five, in terms of pacing, is is better. It's not terrible. Mm. But the pacing in episode six is just... Ugh, okay. So, I think we'll talk about that when we get there. Yes. Um, but, I, yeah. I would say, in terms of adaptation, in some ways, I think this episode has been the best so far this season. Mm-hmm. But in oh, other ways, I'm very frustrated. And to me, what I'm noticing is I'm not frustrated in like the so much the specifics of like the plot being changed as I am, again, the spirit of things. So I think looking back on this episode, what frustrates me most is when characters are altered from how they were in the books, like the, their characters themselves, not just their actions, not just, you know, again, the plot, but the core of like who they are as characters has been changed and it, like, doesn't read as real or as true for me the way they react in these situations. And I think it's partly maybe bad writing and partly that I'm wanting the book characters. Again, not necessarily exactly the like they were in the book, but just for them to react. You know, like, when we talk about fan fiction, you take um, the characters maybe out of their context and put them in a modern setting. Or you put them on a spaceship. I don't care. And they should still feel and react like Bridgerton characters in the Regency setting, right? Like, th- be recognizable that if you gave them a different name, any reader of the books could, could stumble upon this fan fiction and know where you got the material from, right? And and anticipate how a character would behave. So it's interesting to me that, like, in a film adaptation, there wouldn't be the same transfer of characters that you would expect from, like, good fan fiction. Yeah, I agree with that. So... 
Wow, I was going to be way less harsh this episode. So anyway, let's get right into it. It was written by Chris Van Dusen and Jess Brownell and directed by Alex Pillai. Look, I probably butchered out the names. I'm sorry. We're moving on. So best dressed, Lydia. <laughs> um, so for me, um, Kate, I just, they did <sighs> such a good job with Kate's wardrobe this season. Mm-hmm. Um, much more so, I think, than like Daphne's last season. <laughs> Yeah, second that. Um, and just everything Simone Ashley is wears is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But um, especially her hunting ensemble, like that whole outfit is so dashing. Just perfection. I love the top hat. I love um, like just the velvet of the dress. You know, meant to keep her warm on a cold hunt. Um. And then her nightgowns, and again with her hair down, mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. And then her ball gown at the end is beautiful. Yeah. So it's also really interesting that, like, in most of the ballroom scenes that we have seen so far, Kate is wearing some type of headpiece. Yeah. And Edwina is not. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It, it really stuck out to me towards the end of the ball scene that it, I mean, it looks like she's, I mean, she's wearing a tiara. Like, she looks like royalty. hmm Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, here for Kate's wardrobe and here for Kate. Yeah, same. Yeah, so Kate, uh, hands down, won my best dressed. I can't really say it any better than you did. It was phenomenal. But I did want to just take this opportunity to make a couple observations Uh, that I made about the fashion in this episode. So this is the first episode, at least that I've noticed, but it seemed very deliberate and unsubtle, so I'm thinking it's the first episode, where Anthony and Kate's outfits complement each other. Um, They're wearing the same colors that's visually aligning them, and it's mostly teals. And so you you see this even in, like, the first couple scenes when they're not together, where Anthony and Benedict are talking, and he's got this, like, really pretty patterned teal waistcoat, and then the next scene is Kate and Edwina, and she's in a white nightgown, but she's got this, like, teal wrap. And so, like, that that kind of got my brain going of, like, oh, we're tying them together. And then throughout, like, her dresses and his waistcoat, they're all matching these teals. And you really notice it because it's it kind of visually unites them. And then Edwina is left in these, like, soft pastels, you know, not looking like part of a couple. Um, and there were a couple... Um, differences uh there were two there's two places where this isn't true in this episode which i thought was really interesting so the ball um kate and anthony there's no visual matching but kate is wearing pink and everyone is wearing pink all the young ladies even like you know eloise it it's it's sort of shades of pink sort of going towards white so and every almost everyone even the you know even like daphne and uh, mary and all these like adults who are married or have been married everyone except lady danbury who's of course in red so everyone's wearing pink because it's this really visually stunning ball um so that's the difference but um and then at the very last scene, which, of course, we'll talk more about, I noticed, you know, Anthony's in black, Edwina's in her usual sort of boring, yellowish, pale dress, and Kate, and Mary, interestingly, is in Bridgerton purple. And it really mirrors um, Daphne and Eloise are also in Bridgerton purple, which, again, really a big deal because Eloise almost always is in her signature blue. And so having her, and I think even like Gregory and Hyacinth in the purple and having the Bridgerton servants in purple uh, and Kate with uh, kind of a bit of a twist on it that's very much her own, this like rich, dark purple bodice that kind of makes her stand out, really kind of aligns Kate with the Bridgerton family. Um, 
and then not with Anthony, who's dressed in black and who looks completely separate from everyone else. Um, and same with Edwina. She really, like, literally pales in comparison to Kate. So um, so there's some in- interesting things going on with sort of colors, I thought. And then, yeah. And then the other thing I noticed, uh, well, I've kind of been noticing this in the back of my head, but I wanted to call it out. I, I really like how Eloise's dresses show her personality and I really think that the the fit of her dresses works with the actress's body language to really kind of communicate this like energy and outsiderness not fitting in ill at ease awkwardness that is Eloise's character where especially um last episode at Palm Mall and this episode um like on the lawn you can see the way her blue dresses fit her like there's like all this extra fabric and you can kind of like see the outline of her legs and all this fabric kind of bunches out behind her where the other ladies dresses flow and drape really nicely and then the actress sort of um enhances this effect by uh walking really briskly slumping kind of awkwardly um like yeah walking with really long strides and so it really shows like how little she fits in while having a dress that does fit her and looks, you know, the way you'd expect someone of her status to look. I like that. Yeah. Good, good catches on all of that. Gracias. So sadly, our much beleaguered best undressed category this season. It just why no sexy times? And I have to say, I second that because I, this is a slow burn romance. This you know, this book, this season, I was perfectly happy with the first three episodes having you know no undressing, whatever. But now I'm like, why isn't this happening? This doesn't make any sense. I've read the book; like it was a slow burn. They've burned. Let's be, like, come on now. Like we need something more. So I'm I'm a bit honestly a bit confused. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. Maybe it's just that you. Well, I yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I don't know anymore. I just, I had a lot of theories and I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I do maintain that I think COVID did play a big part of that because oh, of just yeah. literally been nothing <laughs> from really any characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, okay. yeah, so. Sure. Okay. Um, in terms of musical piece, we both agreed, um, Dancing on My Own it was, was great. so fun. Oh, it was so perfectly placed. I've been listening to it over and over again. Um, <laughs> I also think it's worth noting that the, the song, um, that begins the ball as the three Sharmas enter in and, uh, Edwin and Anthony begin to dance. I thought that was really, really wonderful. I don't know what it was called, but, um, I, it, I thought it was really good. So our only, like, new character is that dude that Eloise dances with, Lord Morrison or whatever. Yeah. Which we don't need to talk about. No. Um. Although, I, I feel like he was in episode one. Like, he was the one, one of the dudes that, like, Anthony was talking to about, but, like, okay. whatever. Okay. Not important. Yeah. No, definitely not. So our main arcs are not surprising. It's the same thing, this like conflict and tension between Kate and Anthony, this potential proposal hanging over it. Uh, I guess added to the mix this time is Edwina throwing her hat into the tension and saying, like, you two need to solve. Well, yeah, it's, she's nice and sexist, sexist and like, Kate, you need to solve this conflict between you and Anthony. This like definitely just it's just dislike and nothing else. So make him like you. OK. And then that and the Featherington drama. 
It feels like I was kind of thinking about like what this like reminded me of this like tension where Edwina like keeps kind of inserting herself and being like, oh, you should do this together. Yeah. Um, feels very the wedding planner to me. Okay. Which um, I don't know if have you seen the wedding planner? Yeah, it's been a while. But d- so does the does the bride throw them together a lot? to do the planning oh yeah Yeah. like she's like she's like well i can't be here for this so like the two of you should just go off and do this yeah 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 i remember that or like never throw um, jennifer j-lo with uh your groom if your groom is matthew mcconaughey like come on right but like she's like on the phone and they she's like they're at their like um dancing lesson yeah and she has to take a call a business call and the instructor comes over and is like my dog my my dear like take off the phone like thanks she goes oh no he's not with me he's with her and it's like no like why do you like that 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 dance felt very reminiscent Mm. like the the dance in bridgerton felt very reminiscent of that dance in the wedding planner um but like again it gets to that point where like you're like, well, he's not actually going to marry. He's going to marry. He's going to leave her for Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, like, really? Obviously. Come on. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, um, that's a good comparison. <laughs> so it felt very, you know, well, you guys should go do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other movies where that's the trope where like, oh, well, you should go do this together or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's I, a, I mean, I that, that's just a, that's a good example for sure. Yeah. So. All right. So jumping into the plot, it, it opens with uh, Violet and Daphne preparing for their like big country house party. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, not much to say about it. They're just kind of walking around being like, we should put lilacs in this because lilac means early love. And Violet's like, oh I've raised you so well. And I'm just like, okay, moving on. <laughs> I, I get I get what you're doing. I get what's happening here. Um and then I really again I really enjoy all the sibling scenes with Benedict in them. I just, you know, we've we've said this. He he does a great job of like get, getting the whole Bridgerton sibling thing, and so it's just really wonderful. Ben, um, Anthony eats Benedict's apple. He's trying to paint, and it's just funny. And he's sulking about the marriage mart, and Benedict's basically like, "You need to get out of here. You're like you're being so annoying, and go get some fresh air." And it's great. Also, the sigh that Anthony lets loose at the end of that scene, I'm like. What the hell do you have to sigh about, dude? Like, chill out. <laughs> My life is so hard. <laughs> I mean, so hard. I don't have time to I read. Can't, I can't decide who I want to marry. I have um, too I much money. That a friend who is also a listener reached out and mm. made a comment to me about the fact that um, she is a very voracious reader who married somebody who's not a voracious reader and she was like i completely agree this is bullshit because no way is anthony interested in anything edwina says oh i just i the listener you'll you'll know who i'm talking about i you know who you are it just was really funny to me that comment i appreciate hearing that i just like i just still can't get over edwina's reaction it isn't like oh okay like we have different interests but like i'm sure we connect in other ways no it's like that's great what <laughs> okay um so annoying yeah so speaking of both annoying and edwina um we then go to kate and edwina and um i just i wrote down this quote because this and uh, one that she says at the end kind of stick with me of like where edwina's priorities seem to be which is he is the one i want kate his family this home the life he offers me 
which feels a lot like many men that she honestly has the opportunity to marry if she wanted to that would have money and i mean maybe not like the the family but it doesn't it doesn't seem like she's actually attracted to anthony and yet she seems to have convinced herself that she's very into anthony and i Mm -hmm. i'm a bit confused by that uh and i just she just seems really dumb and i don't know what to do with that either um so interestingly (laughs) edwina blames kate's antipathy for anthony's uh lack of proposal and insists that kate quote or make him so like fall in love with her which is a great choice of words like a really interesting choice of words like i i kind of feel like um like i'm watching like hillary duff on the disney channel you know hatching a teenage plot um kind of yeah on a crush like and not noticing that like what are you doing like you know so that's interesting look at your life look at your choices yeah it's just she's so oblivious i just she just is so dumb and i don't know what to do with that um yeah yeah i think the other thing that's making is just like it's ridiculous how literally like especially in this episode the amount of shots you get of other people looking at Kate and Anthony. Yeah. And nobody has the gumption to just walk up and say, hey, what's going on between you two? I mean, Daphne kind of yeah. does. And Lady like, D kind of does. Kind of does. But like, but then their responses are like, well, Daphne's is more like, yeah. you should marry the girl that you love. Whereas Lady D is like... I don't, which I don't get because it's, last season she was like to Simon, like, it's very clearly you love the girl. You should, you should marry her. Yeah. If you're and this as, season it's like, this is what's best for Edwina. So make sure you let him marry Edwina. And I'm like, what the fuck, Lady yeah. D? This stuff amazes me. It's like, it's okay. Whenever you have movies or books or something with this kind of trope where, right, there's like a sibling thing. It's like, it's like everyone thinks that once you get married, that all the drama's over and not like... There's years of being a sister-in-law. There's years, you know what I mean? Like, like Daphne points out later this episode, like, the feelings don't just go away. And, like, the idea that, like, we'll be safe when we're married, it's like, you're setting yourself up to do something way worse than, like, ruffle some feathers, which is what would happen right now at this stage. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. absolutely, and, and the worst part of it is I genuinely think that, like, there's an element to this that isn't just in fiction, that people, like, convince themselves, if I just do this one thing, and then that one thing happens, and then you've got the rest of your lives ahead of you, and you've made choices that, like, set you up on a path that isn't going to go anywhere good. So, Yeah. Ah! Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. And then, you, you, yeah, you feel bad for Kate, and you're just looking at Edwina like, what are you? Yeah. I just am like, <sighs> oh, my goodness. So, then... Um. And, and just gotta... and then the fact that, like, Edwina keeps putting them together, it's very clear the tension is there, and she just doesn't see it. Okay, th- I have to bring this up. I bit my tongue last episode because we talked about so many things. But, like, Anthony says to Daphne after he and, and Edwina have their really awkward talk last episode, he's like, she's so wise. I'm like, girl is, like, what, 18 at best? And also, nothing at she best. has ever said sounds wise to me but like i keep hearing those words in an echo in my mind in this episode because she's so the opposite of wise in this episode. i mean she's what you'd expect of a particularly naive and oblivious and self-absorbed 18 year old 17 year old girl whatever which is fine mm-hmm. but like 
putting that on her on her shoulders is just like none of her actions, choices, or words make her sound wise. Anyway, I know he's mm-hmm. seeing what he wants to see, but um, so that's rough. Well, the thing that's like I'm finding really interesting is that a lot of people are like in just like kind of like the the you know the Facebook groups and stuff that I'm seeing. People are the kind of thing as well. Did Kate steal Anthony from Edwina? Mm-hmm. You know, throughout all of this, and I'm like, and I'm just like, well, for one. I feel like Anthony was never Edwina's to begin with because Edwina was the safe choice. Yeah, for sure. But also, like, does I feel like nobody is actually questioning. And this is maybe as, like, somebody who is an older sister. And maybe it's because I'm seeing it this through, like, Kate Kate's eyes. And again, this has no impact on, like, my relationship with my sibling. Like, yeah, yeah. Nothing like this has ever happened. But, like... When you see it where you're like, what are the things that you've seen Kate... You see Kate has given up so much in the pretense of raising Edwina. Yeah. Because Mary has fucked off to Griefland and has just kind of done. She doesn't raise her children. It is Kate raising Edwina. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I am not, like, grief-blaming Mary. But, like, let's be real. I think it's more about the writing than the character. Yes, so I, yes. I, I think it's very fair of you to sort of criticize that. I mean, you know, because we, we're not yeah. given enough context to, like, understand Mary's grief or anything. Because they honestly, like, even if she, it's not even necessarily telling us that she's grieving, right? It's just kind of, she, she fucked off and that's it. Like, she's there, but she's not there. I don't know. And part of me is, that's, that's really wondering why I think, or really wonder why, not why. There was a lot that they filmed and a lot that ended up getting cut. Okay. Because why put in all of these, like, kind of hints at Mary and then never take it any further? I don't know. And I see that with, like, so much. There's, like, so much where it's, like, this little scene here, this little scene here, this little scene here, and nothing ever follows through. There's so much that should have been cut out. It's odd. Like, there's so many little pieces I've been noticing. I think they cut out other things Mm. for the purpose of telling a story that doesn't really make sense in other episodes. And... Mm. That's one reason why the pacing feels so off is that they okay. cut all these other little things off out. Yeah. Too many cooks. And that's maybe. why the pacing. Hmm? Too many cooks, maybe, in the kitchen. Too many cooks. Maybe not even too many cooks, but like. I think they ha- they wanted to tell Kate and Anthony's story, but they filled in with so many other things that they lost other things mm-hmm. for stories that didn't make as much sense. Oh, it definitely feels like that yeah like constantly it's like well we'll, we'll talk about let's just go in the next scene because this this scene is yeah. emblematic to me of like this didn't need to be in there at all like if this was cut nothing like you know this this should have been this whole storyline should have been cut and we should have had more to devote to anthony and kate and this meaning we go to the modiste um we have these lady whistle down shenanigans and uh she hides a bunch of written paper in a dress box which then the printers open because a silky red dress arriving at a printing press is like super casual and secret and what all the best like super spies and gossip columnists are using these days is like can you imagine i mean it happens once and like you can see the little assistant over shoulder going oh what's that but like can you imagine um if this is a regular thing which it's clearly implied to be like dress boxes arriving at the printing shop being the the quietest most ca- like all you have to do is have a servant right yeah which is what happened in the book but anyway so that makes no sense 
it's just the the amount of like well we have to make this as like ridiculous as possible (laughs) and it's like no you really don't. don't In the books, and this is the thing, like, I was having the conversation with a student when she was, like, talking about all this whistledown stuff, and I was like, none of that happens in the books, and, excuse me, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of that happens in the books. Like, Lady Whistledown is very much just, like, a, like, not even like Gossip Girl. Um, It's very, like, in the, on the side, it doesn't take over the story, like, this is taking over, like, this is not, like, they are making Penelope to be very incompetent. Which makes me so angry. And when, like, in reality, it's Penelope went 12 years. Yeah. Without anyone 12 even a little bit years. suspecting. Without even coming close With to being caught. suspecting her. Yeah. And while that is also a little ridiculous, like, you can't, <laughs> like, give, give me a break. This is also, like, yeah. really pointing, like, Penelope doesn't know what she's doing. And you're right. She doesn't know what she's doing. But she's smarter than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the way the characters interacted with with Whistledown. That was one of my favorite parts of the books. And in this case, it's like, every time someone mentions Whistledown, I just like cringe. It's just like what? Okay, so really quick, uh, we see the Featherington carriage. Uh, you know, there's a traffic jam. We see this. Uh, the new Lord Featherington has got eyes at the Cowpers, and then we're on the lawn of the house party, and Anthony and Edwina are chatting at a table in the background. Um, we start out with Violet and Daphne. And Daphne's like, I don't really know uh, this woman my brother wants to marry. And Violet's like, yeah, neither does Anthony, which is just what he wants uh, w- wants it to be. And Daphne kind of says, well, I'll get to know her for him, which is both like, that doesn't make sense. And also, oh, yeah, excellent. Big sister meddling. Bring it on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I in the yes in the fact that it's like this seems odd but then yes go go forth and do your worst Daphne after all the shit he put you through last season yes um so then um Penelope arrives runs to Eloise and Colin and Eloise is still fixated on that stupid printing press um and is now on to women's liberation and the assistant theo sharp which i hate because it's cl- they've been uh, they've been so clear this the last couple episodes like we're gonna make her have some kind of romance with him and i already don't care and i'm so mad that i even like that he even has a name i'm sorry i'm sure they're trying to do something interesting with like classism and uh, feminism question mark but like no <laughs> i have no time for this anyway colin and penelope for different reasons try to dissuade eloise from like going to the printing mm-hmm. press on her own. Colin, because it's the wrong kind of town, wrong part of town. And Penelope, because she's Lady Whistledown. Yeah. So then Colin announces that he's off to visit Marina. For no reason. This is ridiculous. And I get that they're setting us up for more drama between him and Penelope, but like, really? It's drama. It's, it's literally drama for the cause of drama. And this is where I'm... So I actually really liked the character of Marina Thompson oh, last season. Yeah. I, I thought she was a great ad. Mm-hmm. Um, I supremely wish... I like her as a character. I don't yes. like how they have written her into this series, though. Because... <laughs> you just had horrible things happen to this character. That, I mean, choices that she made... Like, she made the choice to have sex. She made the choice to be pregnant. She also made the choice to then try to find herself a husband. Mm-hmm. 
to, you know, secure her future. Nothing wrong with that. I am not saying there's anything wrong with that. In the, the, the cuckold thing, that's a little, that's, mm. but like, on a whole, like, she was trying to look out for herself. I can respect that. Yeah. However, again, going back to the books, Marina Thompson offs herself mm-hmm. via suicide. And after everything that happened with her last semester, last season with, I keep saying last semester. <laughs> can you tell I work in higher ed? <laughs> last season. After everything that happened to her last season, are you re- you're really going to tell me that Marina is going to off herself? Yeah. You are going to do that to a black woman character? They've got to change. They, she's got to have like a tragic death somehow other way, right? Because even introducing her now, like just, it's just, it, it, I, I was wondering, I'm like, how is she going to? How die are you going or to move do this? On because this is she gonna like? I mean, I'd rather her run away. I don't want Marina to die. I think no. it's a shitty look, but it seems I think like she t- needs to. If it's gonna be even a little bit like the series again, I'm not saying like yeah. I don't. It's not that I want her to die. She's a cool character it's, that I don't I just, love how things have gone with her. But don't know how they're going to write themselves out of this. That is going to come off looking like the writers know what the fuck they're doing. I don't, yeah, it doesn't feel like, look, you know, the absolute, like, exquisite feeling you get when you watch a, a season or a series or, you know, a show where clearly the writers, like, by the time you get to the end of the, the season or the series, clearly the writers had had the, a master plan the whole time and every single thread connects and every single thing that's come up has a resolution or has a reason for coming up throughout the entire series and like it's it's rare and it's like such an amazing experience of of narrative to like watch this thing and realize like oh they planned this back in episode one season one whatever you don't get that feeling at all especially in this season like you get the feeling that they're making it up as they go along or maybe like as they're editing it they're making it up and this is harsh of me to say but like that's how it feels, and it doesn't take someone who, who's an expert in reviewing cinema, which, you know, we're not, to say, like, it feels like they're making it up as they go along and they don't know what they're doing. And that's you know, kind of disappointing because I think there's so much good in the raw materials of this show. So much good uh, that it's a bit... Yeah. Uh, just I just feel a bit nonplussed that it, it seemed, there seems to be so many stumbles, and... The frustrating thing is, I think, you know, the way it builds is, like, for every stumble you get this season or last season, like, that's going to ripple into next season, where, like you just said, how are they going to write themselves out of this? Well, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm, and I think it's something that is going to maybe not quite be resolved. I think they're going to resolve the Marina storyline next season. Mm, Yeah, for better or for worse. Well. For better or for worse. And I'm just like, how are you going to do this? Yeah. So I will also say that at some point during all of this, Chris Van Dusen, the current showrunner, got another show. That's why he is one of the reasons he's leaving as showrunner after this season. So Bridgerton's getting a whole new showrunner for the next couple seasons. Um, And I will say, you can tell when a creator is running multiple shows. Because I think you, you can really see it in that the quality for both goes down Hmm. a big a a big huge one of this is ryan murphy um anytime he's running more than one tv show 
like the one that he was working on previously just like continues to fall downhill. Well, the uh, the next one he's working on is really great and he's working on them conjectively and they work and he's getting, you can tell which one is getting all of his attention. And then he continues to jump and jump and jump. And I'm not saying that that makes him a bad TV writer. I think he is a brilliant um, type of creative and he's done really brilliant things. But you can tell when he's fed up and done. And I kind of see that here with Chris Van Dusen. Hmm. Where I feel like they put a lot of effort into season two, season one. Oh, yeah. And then there's just so many inconsistencies. And again, I know COVID played a lot into it. I am very aware. Most television in the last year has not been great because of COVID. I am aware of that. Yeah, it's a good reminder. But it doesn't excuse everything. But it doesn't excuse shit writing. And in certain scenes... Whereas, yes, there are many things I'm enjoying about the season. And I, there's very many things I love about this season. And overall, I like this season better than season one. There's no sexual assault in this season. So, Yay, like, already better than season one for me. Um, but there can, there has to be something to be said for just shitty storytelling in, in arcs. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the whole show is shit. But certain arcs yeah. of it are shitty storytelling yep so okay so then we get um violet and this is some nice kind of acting violet scoops eloise and penelope up into like this hug march that eloise makes so awkward which is like kind of fun and she tells eloise to be on her best behavior and like literally pushes her to go socialize with the other young ladies um and then we've got the just continuing continuously oblivious edwina who like forces kate to come sit with her and anthony which is so awkward for both of them and the awkward tension just like swells um yeah i i enjoyed this it felt like a real like Mm -hmm. super super romance novel scene like edwina prompts kate uh who then tells anthony like i got stung by a bee and like there's this whole unspoken conversation and and he brings out the this like soulful brown-eyed gaze and it's just excellent it's so good he's I love it when she's like, I was stung by a bee. And he's like, ah. And then she goes, I'm okay. And he goes, ah. It's so good. It's so, like, it's like her reassuring him yeah. that she's fine. And you can see him kind of relax when he says that second, ah, okay. Yeah. And that she's not going to, like, a... like that she gets it enough that she's, like, you know, she got that he was worried. She's not making a whole big deal out of it. She's Yeah, she's reassuring Exactly. Him. Exactly. And I, I very much enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So yes, I love this scene. I think this scene is great. Yeah. Um, oh. uh, and, but like, yes, Edwina is just like, uh, I, I mean, it's I don't know. Edwina is just sitting there like looking be- like between them and it's just is super awkward. Mm-hmm. But like the, the, te- the tension and the, the, the way that um, the actors use the lines between Kate and Anthony yeah. just co- to convey so much with so little is fantastic. It's really good. It's it, it was really good. And then I continue to just love this scene because there's this great moment when Edwina insists that Anthony take Kate shooting. And, like, Kate knows what she's doing because Edwina straight up said, like, I want you to, like, make nice with Anthony. But even knowing that, Kate lets her pride let her get manipulated into going, into, like, kind of insisting. And Anthony's all, like, smug and, like, oh, I can't believe she could shoot and shoot well, right? And then, <laughs> which obviously is the worst 
thing he'd have to all he, you know the, the worst response he could possibly have and so then you got benedict's face over anthony's shoulder which is just hilarious he's like fully enjoying anthony's foot and mouth situation way too much and this is like full book bridgerton brother like great and then anthony's like this he's like a meme he's like belittling laughter just turns so fast and into like utter dismay as kate calls him out and then is like oh do you think i can't shoot because i'm a woman and because like women don't shoot and he's just like like the alarm in his eyes and he's like protesting and then kate's like well maybe women aren't allowed to shoot and then benedict just like totally inserts himself in there and it's like well yeah you should come why not and there's no way for him to say no at this point (laughs) it's so like of course this is so great and then I just, I love, uh, I just love Kate just trying to keep her, like, rage under control the more that Anthony speaks. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, what do you mean I can't, you mean because I'm a woman I can't do it? And that's the moment when he's and so screwed. Just, <laughs> and he's just, and the thing is, he knows he's screwed. Mm. He knows it. That's you can the best see part. the look in his eyes when he's like, I just fucked up. And then he digs the hole deeper and you can see, again, the alarm in his eyes when he's like, I've dug the hole deeper. <laughs> He just keeps and then you talking. have Benedict, who's just like, "Stop talking, dude!" But like, don't but stop I'll, talking because I... I want to watch you yep. dig this hole deeper. Oh my gosh, oh, that is like <laughs> such so, a Bridgerton mean, brother thing to do. It is, and then I love how he's like, "Well, we can bend the rules just this once, brother." Oh, so like, so not backing him up. It's great. I also think this is very much a nod to Book Eloise being such a great shot that none of her brothers mm-hmm. will shoot with her. Um. So that that's that's a nod to that. Yeah. Um. So we intercut from this. Colin visiting Marina, and holy shit, is this awkward? Mm. Like, holy shit, is this awkward? Yep. Painful to watch. <laughs> I like Marina. It was really fun for me to see. You know that Oliver and Amanda, the, the twins, like exist in the TV world. Um. I just I I think I can't get over Colin being there. Like it just doesn't like it just doesn't make sense. So it's that was cringy, but that is supposed to be cringy. So that was pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, speaking of awkward, <laughs> so it's the next scene. Oh gosh. Um, I love how they're sitting or Edwina and Daphne are sitting and playing cards. And the conversation is super kind of stilted and awkward. And then Edwina's like, well, they went off to shoot. And Daphne is like, they did a what now? Edwina's like, oh, I sent them off together so they could spend time together. And Daphne's and like, Daphne's, isn't that a great idea? Daphne's like, it's an interesting one. I just like, we're finally getting to see smart Daphne in this episode. And I love mm-hmm. it so much. And Oh, yeah, look, absolutely. Edwina's so boring and dumb in this scene. Like, she's just saying like, She's just doing, like, all the polite stuff, and, like, she's she's perfectly polite in society and stuff, but she's saying nothing interesting. And Daphne's just like, what? And then, um, you know, she's like, well, what do you, you know, what are you looking for in a husband? Because all Edwina will say is, like, I can't wait to, like, have my own house and, like, throw my own parties. And she's kind of like, well, you need a husband for that, so what about the actual person? And, um, you know, Edwina's like, I want someone kind and gentle and, like, oh, I love how, like, even-tempered Anthony is. And Daphne's like... Who are you talking about? Like, have you met my brother? And the crazy thing is, like, again, just like with the book thing, Edwina doesn't go, oh, huh. No, she's like, oh, I must just bring a different part of him out. It's like, don't go into, like, a relationship thinking you're special and and can change this and are, like, the only person in the world who this What? 
That is a recipe for disappointment, if not disaster. It's just... Uh... Like, I mean, I, I think... I hadn't really noticed this in the episodes, but, like, reflecting back, it just... She's so self-absorbed because she has to be to not see what's going on around her, to not see, like, Kate and Anthony's connection, to not see just how ill-suited Anthony is for her and how he, like, isn't particularly into her. Um, yeah. I don't blame her yeah, for that. It's... I mean, selfishness is, like, just something that all of us have to one degree or another, but it's, like, it's a weirdly bl- blind, large part of her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so then we flash to Kate riding with the dudes to go hunting. Um, she's, like, way too confident for these guys. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I like that she's just, like... I like how she's sharing her background with Anthony as to, like, why she can hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, her father was a secretary for a royal family and allowed her to take part in lessons. Um, and they get a mo- they get to a moment where, like, neither of them are saying anything, but you can clearly say both of them want to say something. Oh, yeah, it's good. And then, goddammit, Benedict calls out. Anthony's like, well, we should go with them, and he takes off. Yeah. Ugh. So Let me cut back to... Yeah, we get back to Colin Arena. We get to meet Philip for, like, you know, the first time this season and really like the second or first time ever, you know, I know we've met him before, but like we haven't really. So we get to see awkward, awkward Philip. Um, yeah. Can we like just like talk about for a second how in all of like the different forums and stuff that I like just am like in, I don't like post or anything, but like I'm in. Nobody likes Philip. So are we talking about TV or book Philip here? I'm curious. I'm talking about book Philip. That's here. what I thought. Just yeah. in general. Yeah. That like nobody nobody is excited for Eloise's book. Everybody's like, he's terrible, he's crumbudgeony. And I'm like, but I've also seen some of these people be like, but this other crumbudgeon in this book is just so fantastic. And I'm like, what the fuck is the difference? Yeah. Look, he's not anywhere near my favorite of the of the heroes in this in this series but um i mean he definitely has his moments so he has his moments yeah and he tries he tries he's very sort of earnest and doesn't know what he doesn't know you know exactly and people are just like taking him to town i mean these are also people that are like benedict's the fucking worst (gasps) those bastards you would not believe how much hate book bridger book Benedict Bridgerton gets. Oh my gosh, I would not believe okay, that. Is forms. he a total bastard in like multiple moments? Yes, but I love him so much. I'm so surprised. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised by this. Like, he's very wrong footed throughout the book. And I, I would, I can imagine some of the arguments that I think are totally legitimate that I would totally say, yes, I agree with you, but I still love him so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they also hate Colin. So, All right. like. Well, okay, who do they like then? Don't say like, Anthony, I'm like, who I I'm do like, like, but grudgingly. Who, yeah, like, who do you like? But, like, they're only talking about this. I'm like, so did y'all just, like, stop? Because there's, like, Gareth, there's oh. Michael. Okay, they all love Michael. Yeah, he's a very lovable Which character. I get. I'm not saying I don't get it. Yeah. But, like, again, some of the arguments that I'm seeing people put forward of, like, well, this is why Philip is terrible. And then some of these other people are like, well, this curmudgeon-y character and this book. And I'm like... Yeah. They're the same fucking character. What makes one different than the other? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Philip has a lot of cred to me because, like, when Eloise goes to shoot and he kind of just, like, sees that her brother's, like, just sees how, like, how excluded she was from stuff because of her gender with her brothers and stuff. And it's kind of like that, like, you get the sense that he wouldn't do that to her, you know? 
Oh, yeah, because then he goes and fingers her, fingers her in her brother's office. Yes. Olivia <laughs> says it's one of your to favorite cheer parts. up. Uh, it is one of my favorite so- parts because it's so goddamn like random, and then you're just like, <laughs> they can walk in at any moment. Oh gosh. So anyway, <laughs> so great. so finishing up this, yeah, we get like dorky little Philip, such dork. Um, and then just Marina seems so awkward, and I mean, I feel like it. it they what they are portraying here is just very like very clearly it's an arranged marriage it's yeah. an arranged relationship yep and uh, philip's i mean like philip seems happy because like he's looking at his flowers and he's like getting to do his botany yeah. shit marina clearly is not happy no so then so. we continue with the hunting party more of the same kate is frustrating the men folk are condescending um mm-hmm um, Kate pulling up her dress and flashing her leg to Anthony is the best. I was like, in a in a world where ankles are scandalous, <laughs> like here, just see my entire thigh and leg, like, <laughs> like not even just a little. No, like, it's like as far so up much as you can get thigh. with it still being a leg. <laughs> it's like at what point is like like nobody questions it. I love that nobody questions it. Literally, <laughs> literally. Simon and Daphne got in trouble for kissing last season, and nobody's like, "Well, shit, we got to marry off Kate and Anthony now." He just, she, we just saw her whole entire goddamn leg. <laughs> oh, oh man. Um. Anyway, also this poor maid that has been assigned to go around with them, who clearly knows nothing about the outdoors, she does not do outside. It's pretty funny, but like also like, oh come on. Her, like, it's riding so on a horse the way that I probably would because I've never been on a horse before in the background, like, rolling from side to side, like, hor- right? And then later, like, trudging through the woods. It's just like, guys. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, There's just so many, like, cuts in between scenes in this one. Yeah. So then we get back to Eloise, who's frustrated with the obedient and married, marriage-minded misses. Mm-hmm. And um, she's kind of like, well, do you always listen to your mama? And the girl's like, I always do. And she's like, ugh. And Penelope's like, look, not everyone basically has your choices. And not everyone can say no or, you know, no, I don't want to marry this person. No, I, whatever. And then like, it just rolls right off of Eloise. But, you know, this is very much part from the books, from Penelope's book of mm-hmm. like, you know, Eloise ends up being an old maid, <laughs> a spinster sort of, because she wants to because she is confident in her own skin and um, doesn't meet anyone she wants and just is fine with that and, you know, doesn't have the social pressures that someone who's less popular and loved and wealthy and um, high positioned like Penelope has. And so I thought I thought that made a lot of sense to have this in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um but overall, um, I think the one thing that really is starting to bother me, though, is just the- Eloise's just attitude towards all of this. Yeah. Like, I get not enjoying things. I get that. I, f- I do get that. There are a lot of things I don't enjoy. But there are a lot of things I do to keep my family happy. Hmm. Like, for example... I'm going to church on Easter because it makes my mother happy. Do I agree with anything that is being said in, in said church? No. 
Does it make my mother happy to have her whole family in church on a holiday? Absolutely. I'm going to make my mom happy on Easter. And Eloise just bucking the system. Again, I get there are things you don't like to do. I am fully on board with that. The consistent bucking of her system Mm -hmm. is getting old. Mm -hmm. Because at some point you have to stop and be like, I have to be an adult about this. And the thing is where she's like, well, I am an adult. You know, I am a woman. I can make my own choices. And I'm like, but are you? Yeah, she's not really acting. Like, she just, she, this is a very much rebellious teenager feel yes. for her this this season. Which I suppose she, she probably is. But it, it definitely, as, this, as the episode goes on, it definitely feels like a rebellious teen. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, and then um, that little scene does end with the ladies talking about Lady Whistledown and like, oh, she won't have anything. She won't be writing well this week because we're all here, which is what, what, where all the interesting things happen. And there's nothing that's going to happen that we don't know about. And Penelope's eyes are like challenge accepted. And I'm like, I'm getting really worried at this point because I'm going, oh, my gosh, what is she going to do to like <laughs> make there be drama or find drama? But then that ended up not being a, a real concern. It was just she it's just that by the end of the episode, she found her drama. Mm-hmm. Um. So then, um, we cut to Portia Featherington and her hatching her plan to corner the new Lord Featherington into marriage with Prudence, who um has announced that she won her game. Everyone, look at me. Look at she says, "Yeah." So it's like, and that just like it's like a <laughs> facepalm moment of like, uh, of course she's gonna do this. Um. So then we flash back to Anthony and Kate, uh, with a gun behind a tree. All alone, by the way. <laughs> so the bickering is hot, um, and I really enjoy the bickering. Um, especially once Kate flips around and goes off on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, and again, I, I, I have shot a rifle before. Mm-hmm. I have done it once or twice. I am not an active hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate... To my knowledge, again, these are old timey guns, but from what everything I know from all of like the the um kind of historical books that I've read, and again, having experience shooting a rifle myself, shooting a rifle with your arm against the butt is a great way to break your arm. <laughs> so when he goes down and starts to put the gun into her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up. That's to, like, to help her body absorb the the impact so that she doesn't go flying backwards. But if she was shooting it the way she was, I, like, went back and, like, rewound it to take a look at this. Okay. The way that the gun was seated seated before, it would have gone into her lower arm. And if it had bucked, it would have broken her arm. Mm. Because the the kickback on that gun was going to be super powerful. So... I'm not saying that she doesn't know how to shoot a gun. I am not denying that. But I would also say that they likely have very, maybe, they have, might have slightly different guns that they use in okay. India versus, at this time, in this fictional yeah, world yeah, yeah. of Bridgerton. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, maybe they have different guns. She, maybe she learned with a different gun. Mm-hmm. But the way that she was holding it actually would have caused her, caused her severe bodily harm. Okay. <laughs> Because I, I'm really glad you said that because um, I wasn't paying attention at all to how it was being held. I was just kind of like, she just said she's an expert at this, and now you're explaining to your man explaining it to her. That's so annoying. But no, I, I totally, I think you're right, and that makes sense, and it helps because then the banter is really good, and yeah, 
Yeah. Because I just, I'm like, I'm like, he's just like, yeah, he just, he just really wants to make sure she doesn't like hurt herself. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. So then we flash to Colin bonding with Philip, which is hilarious. <laughs> and Marina's just disgusted by this. And then Philip, as, as he is like very decently, leaves them alone to say whatever they need to say. And Marina lays into Colin. It's like, you're such a boy still. You're believing in these like white knight fantasies. And I'm over here living my actual life in the real world and you and your fantasies have like no place like leave like move on like leave me out of whatever you want this to be and like yeah i can't i mean i can't believe she had to say that you know what i mean it's like she's she's right she is right um i yeah no she is right i completely agree so but i also think colin is right in that he says um, you're not happy, and I can tell. Which is sad, but it's not really his business, mm-hmm. and he can only no, make it's it not worse. his business. But you're right; it is, it is, it does suck. Like she's, she's kind of cold to Philip, and um, you know, I get why. <laughs> I'm sorry for both of them, for both mm-hmm. Marina and uh, Philip. I'm honestly not that sorry for Colin. I don't really get this. I, I probably should be more sympathetic, but I'm kind of like, I, I guess I'm with Penelope in a way where it's like, move on. <laughs> Even yeah. though, again, that's like, you know, when, when you have a crush on someone and, and everyone else is just like, you need to move on. It doesn't, it isn't a helpful suggestion, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. No, it's not. Agree. <clears throat> so. Um, so then we cut to Kate and Edwina and Edwina wants to know if the Viscount has warmed to Kate or to her, mm-hmm. herself, sorry, to herself. Um, and Kate's like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and clueless Sabrina is like, great, let's you know keep it up at the ball tonight. And it's like, oh my gosh, or tomorrow night, whatever. Yeah, so awkward. Um, so then this starts, and this like it starts like the next thing that starts is so great. It's like the sleepless night for both Kate and for Anthony. It's of course raining and thundering, um, and then they end up running to into each other at the library in a state of undress, which is the classic Regency romance scene. And okay, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is so unrealistic. But it's like, you can't... Um, then the rest of my mind is telling me, like, you can't say that. Like, every Regency romance has this, like, scene in the library where they're both in their nightgowns or whatever. It's like, you gotta love it. Um, and it, there's this great thing of just, like, Kate getting out of bed and, like, you know, looking at her sister and getting up. And the, anyway, it's so gorgeous this like scene in the library it's seriously it's so gorgeous like Kate is so pretty with her hair down and Anthony is framed in the light of the doorway which is so beautifully done the rain is coming down they're in this library it's like full-on historical drama porn right like it is just like everything you kind of want in historical drama like it's not super historical but like the romance is real but also I'm watching this just like kind of in love with the whole setting and I'm going this isn't a 1990s BBC miniseries like this isn't, you know, a t- early 2000s BBC miniseries. Like, why are there no sexy times at this point? I'm just, I, I, I suppose COVID's the answer, but also, like, I was very confused. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so this. I, I don't know. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. This is their only, only nod to Book Kate's entire backstory. Entire backstory, which is so important in the book. And meeting Anthony in the library. And, like, I'm just, I will get mad about it if I think about it too much. So I'm just going to move right along, Lydia. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I say hard agree on that point because 
They've added a lot, and then, like I said this before, they've added a lot and sacrificed more of the Kate and Anthony relationship for more other stories. Um, and I'm salty about it, mm-hmm. so let's just move on okay. so that we're not Ranting. hung up like we got last like week. Like last time, yeah. So, and then Anthony tells her how his father died, and I just, mad props to both actors because there's this emotionally charged scene where she says, how did he die? And he says, he kind of like, there's this pause, and he kind of looks at her and says, a bee. And it's like, here's the thing. I was picturing, like, if someone walked into the room right then and didn't know anything, hadn't watched the, se- the season or, or whatever, like, that is such a cheesy line, potentially, but it kind of has to be because of how his dad died right? and, and, like, how it's, like, so surprising. And, like, it's delivered so well, and, like, it, it manages to hold the tension of, like, all the unspoken stuff of, like, why... Like what that means that he's saying right then, what it means, and like that Kate immediately realizes, like flashes back to their earlier encounter with, and it's just so well done. And I think it would have been so easy to make it just feel kind of cheesy, and I was really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um. So then Thunder snaps Kate out of this kind of moment, and she flees. There's not even a kiss. There's not even a kiss. Not even a kiss. Just, she goes away. There's no freak out where she's under the desk and hiding. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. It's still, it was so beautiful, though. So I'll give it that. It's still a beautiful scene. Yeah. I'm not denying that it's still not a beautiful scene. Um, But then this is, again, where one area where Kate's backstory is sacrificed completely. Which was just really disappointing. Sad. It's, a, it's sad. Yeah. It's disappointing. So then we're at the next day. We're um, back with Violet and Daphne. Same kind of thing. Daphne is like... Daphne's basically talking about the compatibility between Edwina and Anthony and her doubts. And her, like, doubts that, like, it makes any sense at all. I love Daphne's just like, this makes no sense, people. And they're like, but it'll be okay. And Daphne's like, are you sure? Daphne's like, like, are you were sure? Were you guys here last season when all you cared about was, like, this in my life? Meddling like, with my life? Like, especially when, okay, especially when at one point Violet tells Daphne last season, well, honey, all you have to do is marry the love of your life. And but Daphne's you have like, one oh, season that it, to mind Is that it? And then Daphne, or Violet's like, well, yes. And I'm like... So that holds true for your daughter, but not for your son? Yeah, it's that's like yeah. Um but Daphne <clears throat> Daphne's like, look, I, I thought Anthony would marry someone more like him, and then Violet agrees and they both basically end up describing Kate, right, when they're talking about Anthony himself, and it's very, very obvious. <sighs> and yeah, and by the way, I'm totally with Daphne on this. Oh, 100%. So then Daphne's like, well, clearly my mother's not going to be a help, so I'm going to go talk to the source directly. I'm going to go talk to Anthony. Yeah. Good for her. And then Daphne is just like, well, like, do you really know Edwina? And like, but you seem to be getting really comfy with her sister. Mm -hmm. So like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And Anthony blows her off completely and says, I miss the Duke because you're meddlesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. excuse me, sir, you were fucking meddlesome all last season. <laughs> so meddlesome. <laughs> don't even, don't even. And yeah. Daphne's just kind of like, yeah. and like, whatever. Okay, is she, is she, like, I was, I think when I watched this the first time, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I get it because I'm an older sibling and my brothers have no interest in my advice. Like, that's, it's, uh, that's a laugh. But um, I also feel like it's not necessarily meddling to, like, directly go to someone and say, like, fairly bluntly, like, hey, are you sure, like, this makes sense? You know what I mean? It's not like she's, like, doing schemes behind his back or, like, going up and confronting 
you know, Edwina, which is what, like, the kind of thing Anthony would have done. So, like, it is meddlesome, and I totally understand, like, that Anthony has no time for his sibling, you know, in his, her interest in his love life. But it's also, like, you know, Daphne's being very above board and direct here, like, genuinely concerned. <laughs> oh, she is. But, like, also, I mean, he's also not going to take his little sister's no. advice. No, I know. Like, not like, at like all. Like I said, I, I watch this going, like, yeah, you have no chance, Daphne. You have no chance speaking from personal experience. Um, so then we go into the ball, and it's so lovely. It's so be- like from the from the start it's to the very, finish. It's very pretty. It's so pretty. It sounds pretty. It looks pretty. Um, yeah. But um, yep. we have we start out with the Sharmas, and uh, Anthony mm-hmm. comes up and asks Edwina to dance, and of course yep. she does. And the whole time Kate is making eye contact with Ant. Well, not really because he's not looking at her, but she's focused on him for the whole. The whole thing. He does, though. Like, every once in a while, his eyes will flick up and look at Kate. And yeah. then he goes back to Edwina. Yeah. And, um, of course, Lady D notices. And is just like, better pull that uh, tension back in you. Yeah. Remember, there's your sister right there. And I'm yeah. just like, again. Where are you going with this, Lady Danbury? Like, <laughs> weren't you all true love and hearts last season? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> And Kate just looks so forlorn. Yeah. Like, like the, I think this is really in this one of the scenes that really just illustrated to me, like, how much Kate has given up for her sister. For her sister to thrive. Yeah. And it's sad. It is sad. It's very sad. Um, So then we cut to Eloise and Penelope, and Pen tells Eloise to just go dance so that she can be entertained. So she can, like, finally have something to talk about besides the printing press. <laughs> <laughs> and Eloise tries to panic run away when she sees her mom coming which like Eloise think two steps ahead is that really going to work for you and um and uh then Violet comes and very aggressively pairs Eloise off with this like young shaggy haired Lord Morrison and uh like Eloise tries to be like well wait what do you want to do and it's like dance it's like it's very much like kind of a temper tantrum like very much to like a teen girl kind of vibe um and they dance slash argue while Penelope watches. Mm-hmm. And the dude is dick. It's a pretty misogynistic conversation. Um, Eloise tells him he's a dick and storms off. Um, and tearfully confronts Violet about the expectations being the disappo- being a dis about expect having expectations and then being a disappointment to those expectations, which just makes Violet's and face then, fall. Obviously, which yeah. I kind of feel like didn't we have this last season? <clears throat> yes this is two this is season two of this expectation thing yeah okay and then and then eloise goes back to her room yep um again i just am starting to get annoyed with eloise at this point again i get why she's upset i'm not saying she doesn't have a right to be However, again, there is still something to be said for sucking it up and doing something that you don't want to do for your family. <laughs> I mean, all of her siblings are doing it. All of her siblings are doing it. Clearly, her brothers don't want to be there either. They're doing it because they love their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so for me, what it highlighted was just the, the huge gulf between book Eloise and Netflix Eloise. And it's really stuck out to me more in this moment than any other, which is like, you know, Netflix Eloise is so awkward and angry. And she talks about like her mom says, you're so rebellious. And she says, like, I, you know, I'm not doing this as a hobby. Right. And um, 
she's trying to she's trying to be different she's trying to like she can't travel like Colin she's a girl she's stuck behind so she's trying like the printing press thing the lady whistle down thing like she's trying to like kind of stake out something of her own and she wants to be different 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 she doesn't want to have to marry she just she's just so uncomfortable and like book Eloise is very comfortable in her own skin she's very confident she's very privileged and well-loved she's very like um, you know, she she'll eavesdrop on everything. She'll meddle in everyone's lives. She's very sharp. She's very composed. Like in public, she would have like given the Lord Morrison a set down and continued to dance and then kind of rolled her eyes at Penelope and like moved on to the next guy and like just like let it all bounce off of her and just really been kind of disdainful and like, you know, you know what I mean? Like she would just have been so in command of herself and so just like, I'm not playing their games, but I'm also like, she still she always fits in in society and that's like the difference between mm-hmm. Penelope and Eloise is like Eloise is choosing to be a bit of an outsider and she's choosing to not marry and she's um still very much welcomed and like maybe a bit odd but like definitely part of the ton and then Penelope through no choices of her own is always an outsider and so I think this scene and how Netflix Eloise is acting made me think you know like I think I like the character book Eloise better because they're, I mean, they're both annoying, but, um, you know, like in different ways. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and Penelope, I mean, her continued observation is just like a theme throughout this dance. So she's observing while Portia kicks off, kicks off her scheme. Basically, she sends Prudence and the new Lord Featherington separately to the orangery. It's obvious that she wants them to be found, and Penelope's kind of watching this. Now, I had thought that she was going to intervene, like figure out what was happening and go stand with um, Prudence and like kind of ruin her mother's plan. I was really expecting like a Penelope saves the day kind of moment. And then that didn't happen. I guess they just want us to see her observing stuff because she's Lady Whistledown. Yeah. And this is again where I think a lot of things got cut. Okay. Because I think this is a theme throughout the entire season where, again, we see storylines happen. We see Penelope like sitting and watching something. Yeah. And clearly they're bringing attention to it, and then nothing comes of it. Yeah, that was odd. Like, nothing comes of it. Mm-hmm. So. so Anthony and Edwina <laughs> finish dancing, and Edwina forces him and Kate to dance awkwardly. Yes. Um, oh, but this dance. Can we talk about this Oh, my dance? gosh. This is, like, one of my favorite parts ever of this, like, whole season. I was so in love with it. Uh, Kate and Anthony dance, and it's this perfect, perfect period romance drama movement uh, moment. Sorry, it's this perfect period romance m- moment, and it really calls to mind the 2005 Pride and Prejudice that dance with mm-hmm. Keira Knightley has the like mm-hmm. pearls in her hair, and also every re- uh, Regency romance ever has something kind of like this, or you know, every other one just about. And it is so gorgeous and so well done. The music is good, the colors are beautiful, and it's like the tension between them is amazing. They don't speak until the end. Which I also love because I think the temptation is to, like have them like saucily exchanging jabs throughout. No, they wait till the very end to even speak, and that's like that says so much that they don't have to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chemistry is so good, and then you can see Edwina watching them, and Daphne and Lady Danbury watching them, and then when they start to speak, they turn and they're both facing Edwina, and they're talking about her happiness, and she's looking at them expectantly, and it's so good it's so good it's so good it's so good um and then as they finish they're kind of finishing up their dance kate reveals that she's going back home as soon as edwina is married and 
Anthony loses his shit. (laughs) Does this seem way disproportionate to you? Like, yes. I was kind of like, like, what were you thinking? Like, Like, it just didn't seem that shocking to me. No, I just, I I don't get this like, well, well, you're going to abandon her. He didn't really think about what would happen. Like once he marries Edwina, like Kate plays no more part in this. But like you're married to her sister. So has he been thinking in the back of his mind, like, I'll just always have Kate around for like to talk to and argue with. Like, like she'll just stick. I think that's that's what the writers were intending. That's worse. Yeah. Because then it's terrible. You've got a wife and then you've got her sister that you're way more into. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so he weird. freaks out. He starts shouting. Edwina's face falls, and which I think the way her face falls, like it, it kind of implies, like, oh great, Kate has messed this up for me. And it's like, <sighs> anyway, so he's yeah. like, and runs off, and then she kind of like says, "I promise you, I'll follow him and 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 make up with him," and follows him out. And mm-hmm. Daphne and Lady Danbury are like, the eye contact is going kind of crazy, and uh, okay. Um, and then how I don't know how this worked. But Portia inanely bumbled her way into this, like, ridiculous scheme where she gets all these people to come to the orangery. She traps Prudence and the new Lord Featherington into marriage. They're standing there, like, a foot apart. She's got an orange in her hand. They're fully dressed. And they're talking, like, I find it doubtful that this could actually force them into marriage. Like, I mean, technically, sure. All the other mamas in that, like, group are looking at Portia, like really and then really and there's this moment where you think like oh, okay this isn't gonna work because it's so <laughs> dumb and then everyone just kind of falls in line uh that he ruined her and it's just like oh boy i was genuinely waiting for um penelope to pop out behind an orange tree and be like no he just wandered in here while we were chatting it's no big deal they weren't alone and i was like so surprised that it worked <laughs> uh uh, um, for readers that have not read the book, um, or for listeners who have not read the book, not readers who have not read the book, oh my gosh. Um, this is similar to how in the book Kate and Anthony get trapped into marriage, is that Portia and Lady Bridgerton walk in on them while Anthony is sucking the poison from Kate's boob because she got stung by a bee. And Portia's like yelling, oh my gosh, he ruined her. And then they're like, if it was anyone but Portia Featherington we wouldn't have to marry. Like, we could have just smoothed this over. My mom would have kept her mouth shut. No, it's Portia Featherington. It's it's one of my favorite lines, though, in the whole series when she's like... I know what you're going to say. He was just, sm- he was just uh, sucking on your bubbies, my dear. Yeah. I'm fairly... Yeah, she, like, yells it. It's like a full Mrs. Bennett moment. A lot. Um, like, it's... But it's also it's like a callback to, like, the reality of, like, holy shit, he just did something he really probably shouldn't have. Um, and, like, the only person that calls it out is Portia Featherington, of all people, and it's great. Yeah. Well, and then this really... Speaking of that, this really... The next scene really parallels that orangery scene where, like, nothing happened, and it's very obvious that nothing happened, and they're still gonna have to marry. Oh, yes. Then you get Anthony and Kate in a shouting match, alone in a room, where they're getting, like, closer and closer, they almost kiss, and it's like... If they've been caught by Portia Featherington, for example, right then, like, are you kidding me? Um, and oh, yeah. there's actually something going on here. So that that was a good parallel. Um, and it turns into this really intense moment, um, an almost kiss. And it, again, surprising me that there it wasn't like more of a sexy times happening. Um, I have to say, I'm curious what you think about this. I'm almost certain you disagree with me, um, just knowing you and me. But at the beginning of the scene, it feels like bad acting. The way they shout at each other and they're just like so mad they can barely speak like i just didn't buy it as the scene went on i bought it 
But like at the, I don't know that I was, I don't know that I noticed it. Okay. I just was sort of like, it just like the way it's like, you know, you've got, you like, like the, like, why do you hate me so much? Like, I just felt like, I was like, is it that they, the lines were dumb that they're giving? Like, I just, I thought that was super weird. Like, I thought maybe it was bad lines or something or, or because I've never seen any bad acting like in this series or like certainly not from these actors. So I was like, what? And then as it went on, the tension was good and whatever. I, I put it down again to writing. Okay. It's just the way that, like, that they if they say the line. Again, I didn't really notice. Okay. Um, Fair enough. But, I mean, also, we've got, I mean, up until this point, we really haven't had any, like, Simone, Ashley, and Jonathan Bailey, again, are just the consummate, fantastic actors. Yeah. So I would just put, I put it more down to okay. bad writing and just, like, awkward way to say something. That would make sense. Because I was like, I don't know that they have what they're working with here because I just, it felt weird to me. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So they all, like, it, you know, it's this intense almost kiss. And then Daphne interrupts it. And Daphne's like, whoops, mm-hmm. and turns on it, like, leaves the room. And Anthony runs right after her and just leaves Kate completely reeling by like what didn't happen basically mm-hmm. yeah um also yeah so Daphne comes they go into the room and Af- Daphne is just like chugging the whiskey I love she's that just like, I love that drink before confronting Anthony and she lays into him and it's fantastic the way that she lays into him mm-hmm. um and then I mean again it just if I were Daphne, I would so be less like, okay, well, I trust you to do the right thing, brother, and be like, get your ass to the church right the fuck now. Like, are you kidding me? That's what you did for me. Yeah. I'm going to do that for you yeah. too, asshole. She does straight up say, um, like, this is what happened to me last season. I was going to marry someone else and you made me marry Simon. And and because he's like, you know, I'm going to marry Edwina still. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is exactly what happened. And you're... You're telling me, like, it's different? Anthony's response to her saying, this is a very similar circumstance that happened with me and Simon last year, and Anthony's like, except I'm a man and you're a woman. Except he doesn't, he doesn't say that. It start. It, he says something. I know. It sounds, like, when he says, except I'm a man, and you're gonna go, I'm, my brain's going like, what are you doing here? What he's saying is, he what he actually says is, except that the only, the only similarity between what happened last season and this is that I'm a man and Kate is a woman. So his point is gotcha. the only difference is that it was two two people of opposite sexes being caught in a room together. And then he, he goes on to say the difference between the, these two circumstances is that in my case, nothing actually happened. So while it's a very weird way to start the sentence where my hackles also went, are you going to tell me that it doesn't matter for Daphne? No, he actually says it's because I'm a man and Kate is a woman. And that's the only similarity. Nothing happened. Unlike with you. I still would have slapped him. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Because he's he's deluded. Yeah, and she's totally right. She's like, this is the same thing that happened. And, and, and that's the thing. How are you special? If she, if she hadn't walked in, yeah. they would have been kissing. Yeah, and if she if someone else had walked in, right? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally with Daphne here. Okay, so I love this next bit because um, she's basically like, like, you know, these feelings are not going to go away, which again, brilliant. So true. Like, what are you going to do about this situation? You put your like you put yourself into and he's like, I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing. And she's like, oh, good. Like, she's totally relieved. And you just know that they're on different pages and that he's absolutely going to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. So that whole that's clearly leading to disaster. And then um, we get our last little bit of the ball is Prudence and Penelope have this little confrontation where. Penelope kind of tries to get the real story of like, did, did our mom just trick you and him into marriage? Like, did he ruin, like what, what just happened? 
And she is clearly concerned, as she says to Prudence, like, I'm concerned for you and me and our whole family if this gets out. Like, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Prudence is just like, well, you're jealous. And, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then just, like, flounces She's like, I'm going to be a lady whistle down, and I'm super cool, and you're just dumb and jealous. It's like, whoa. (laughs) I really hate how Penelope's family treats her. Yeah. That, I mean, certainly consistent with the books. Ugh. Rough, though. So then we get this little scene where Lady Danbury gives her hard advice, sort of. So she and Kate are both in their nightgowns, and she comes up to Kate on the porch and takes her task. And is like, you need to come clean with Edwina. And so she's we're having this double speak right now where she's talking explicitly about the inheritance thing. Like, you need to tell your sister that this is a thing. Um, but it, the implication is clearly like, there is something going on between you and Anthony, and you need to admit the, your feelings to yourself admit them to Edwina, like not have the secret, but it's all that bit all goes unsaid, which is kind of interesting that Lady Danbury is choosing. Like this is the second time this episode she's warned her off Anthony basically without saying it. Mm -hmm. And this is a woman who's made it very clear that she is fine with being very blunt and very meddlesome and very, I, I guess for lack of a better word, wise. And so it's not really quite what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, if the stakes are so high for your sister's happiness, then why are you getting in the way? Which is, like, true, but, like, also not true, right? Like, it's true, but it's, like, uh... and then she tells her to be honest, which is which is really good advice. And, you know, Kate's not going to take it. You can just tell. No, you can tell. But also, like, again, I just like the, the thing, getting in the way of your sister's happiness when, again, why does it have to be Anthony that she has happiness right. with? It makes no sense. Like, Lady Danbury's the one that pushed her into it. But, like, and also, like, what about Kate's happiness? You know? Like, yeah. what they want for Edwina's happiness is, like, on paper, it's, like, security of getting the inheritance and having, like, a, a healthy marriage, right? And so, like, again, there's a lot of guys that she could she could be with. Uh, so, it's, yeah. Makes no sense. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. So we've said that. Uh, so then the next yeah. day, Lord, the new Lord Featherington comes in and tells Portia he's broke. And thanks to her scheming, they're both screwed. I loved this. I was like, finally, all this shit that they've been doing all season of all this Featherington drama that I've had to sit to. Finally, there's a payoff. It's a bit of a twist that I wasn't expecting uh, when he's been trying to court Lady uh, Cresta Cowper. It's um, so, like, perfectly ironic that she's stumbled her way into, like, the worst case scenario. It, like... It makes so much sense, and it just felt like such a payoff from what we've been having to deal with with all the Featherington drama. I loved it. No, it's great. Um, also, it's like how they assume that, like, that, you know, everybody else except them is wealthy. Uh, like, nobody else has these money problems. Oh, yeah. That we're having, which is a huge assumption because a lot of people, like, everything looked great on paper yeah. and they come to find out that actually they have no money yeah <coughs> yeah yeah so that i thought that was it's good. just so funny and then the next scene is very unsatisfying it's colin and penelope uh talking about marina and it's like ugh. also 
Penelope's been pretty good in the wardrobe department this episode, which is important because how Penelope dresses is important because like throughout the books, it changes and she comes into herself and, and looks the way she wants to look basically. And that this is not the case for her. Right. And then in this scene, they have her in the most appalling gown. It's yellow and pink. It's not flattering. It's got every type of ribbon and braid and polka dots and non polka dots. It's horrible. And so I think it's important to note because it really puts her at a disadvantage in this bit mm-hmm. where and she's just kind of elated because she's thinking he's finally over marina and he can look at me which is so deluded and uh he says you know he's not she says she's content but i don't think she is and i'm still hung up on her <sighs> yeah agreed so um everybody's leaving um uh, Lady Whistledown voice over, you know... She's talking about, um, you know, not everything that I that has happened is fit to print, but I've got a couple of good, uh, important things mm-hmm. to tell you. Kate and Edwina um, are talking on the way out to the carriage. Edwina is clearly bummed that she didn't score a proposal. Um, that the Viscount's feelings aren't there for me, but perhaps they're somewhere elsewhere. And Lady Denbury gives a significant look at Kate when she says this. Yeah. Um, and then it cuts to inside where Anthony is getting out the ring. And Kate opens her mouth to kind of tell Edwina something. Presumably, like, I have, feel, like, I don't know, like, what do you even say at that point as they're getting into the carriage in front of the house? But it's essentially, like, yeah. something about Anthony. And Anthony calls out to them. And this is, like, okay, look, this little bit of the scene is kind of, like, perfect romance novel in a way. Or maybe not perfect so much as classic. But it's so the, like... He calls out to them and Kate says, of course, you can, you know, I have a moment to talk to you. And he's like, nope, talking to Edwina, just strides right past Kate, gets on his knee like a freaking asshat and proposes to Edwina in front of like his family, their servants and the Featheringtons. And uh, Edwina's super happy about it. Kate and Daphne and Violet and Lady Danbury are all like discomforted, even though Lady Danbury like smiles and is like acts like she's perfectly happy. But like. It's clearly uncomfortable for everyone except Edwina. Yep. And then and Edwina's response is like, yes, I shall be your Viscountess. I shall marry you. And it's like, it's so weird because if she truly doesn't know about the inheritance thing, which we have no reason to think she does, like, why is she being so mercenary? Like, why isn't she just looking for a love match in someone she genuinely enjoys spending time with? Like, why does she keep talking about, like, at the beginning of the episode, like, being the Viscount? Like, she, she has shown no preference for station or no ambition to be like a duchess or a viscountess right so like this response i guess is meant to signal to us like this isn't they're not the right fit but to me it's odd um and kind of disappointing no yeah, yeah. um and this is a key difference from the book because book Edwina does not have feelings for anthony like she is firmly on the canthony team and it's and I think that's a huge it's a huge big deal. So this is so I was wondering like if maybe they're not having sort of sexy times because that then there's something between like then it feels like cheating between the sisters where um why would he propose to like is the audience going to be able to sit through him proposing to Edwina after he and Kate like kissed or or, or more, right? So that's kind of why I, I thought maybe it might not be. But like it's I think it's so important that like book Edwina didn't have feelings for Anthony. So like this Edwina, again, it doesn't feel real, but it feels like she's convinced herself she's really into Anthony. And, like, now they're engaged. And so now you've got this setup between the sisters where Kate evinces, like, that she is so protective of her sister and so concerned with her happiness. And there's something between her and Anthony. And, like, I I don't love where this lands us. And I think, like, I, I kind of don't have a problem with her proposing to her, like, 
and them changing it up and it going in a different direction. But I think it, there's a real conflict here of like Ed, Edwina thinks this is what she wants and is invested in this, which book Edwina wasn't. So it's there's a, a layer here that's really concerning. Like, how do, how do they get out of this? And the sisters are still besties. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, I have a feeling that like, I don't know how well that's going to go, but we'll anyway, we'll see. Um, so then uh, also in that scene, we see that Penelope is there. <laughs> also, just how the fuck do people just not realize that she's letting you whistle down? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's that's basically so. that's the episode. That's the episode. And so we get, so, so the, the title victory, I think, works best for the side plot of Portia Featherington. Just, it's like a Pyrrhic victory, right? Where, like, she got exactly what she wanted, and it's exactly what she did not need. Um, but I think the the title victory is, like, not quite as good for the main plot, which I think the only real thing that we get from it is at the very end, Lady Whistledown says, like, Anthony proposing to Edwina is a victory. And we're supposed to look at that and be like, ah, it's a victory, but it's not a victory. But I actually think that the yeah. su- that the argument for the title comes in better with the subplot than the main plot, which isn't really how titles should work. Yeah. Um. So, um, I guess notable what what did we love and didn't love? Um, I really like the hunting scene because I find that to be very much within the spirit of the book mm-hmm. and like within the spirit that is Kate and Ansley's relationship. Um, and then the ball scene, which I really liked, was gorgeous. And then the stuff that I didn't like was the call and the lady whistle down stuff. It just puts a, po- a sour taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I didn't love the call and stuff and the lady whistle down stuff. It just didn't didn't feel right. It didn't didn't. Not only am I frustrated as a book reader, but it also just didn't convince me. Like it doesn't work as a narrative. I feel like um, I loved the dance. I loved the ball. It was so gorgeous, and it was like. It was just so romantic, the bit between Anthony and Kate. And, like, I was watching this feeling, like, so damn sappy. I was, like, I don't usually... (laughs) I mean, I read a ton of romance, but, like, I don't always feel like a total sap. And I have to say, watching that, I felt like a total sap. Uh, And every once in a while, that's a nice feeling to have, I guess. (laughs) And so um, I really enjoyed, like, sort of Detective Daphne. I've just really enjoyed her character. Like, I think at the very her very first um, entrance into the um, season kind of annoyed me, and then everything since then has gotten just better and better and better. And I've really enjoyed what her characters added to the season, so that was fun. Um, but overall, the reason I liked this episode so much is how it functions as a story. Like, as an again, there are a few issues with the adaptation, but like overall, um, the difference between this and previous episodes is like there's a decent narrative, like. You know, the Featherington thing panned out and it like, you know, it it, it went somewhere, right? Um, the, like, Kate and Anthony are sort of moving forward. Like, there's there's a narrative here. And I guess they, you know, end the episode and everything's screwed up and not how it's supposed to be for our two plucky hero and, you know, heroine, our, our plucky couple who's supposed to fall in love. But um, but overall, like, I think it it, it, may, it works as a narrative. Um, and I, and I yeah, enjoyed I... it. It was an enjoyable thing to watch. Again, I enjoyed it right up until the last couple minutes. So yeah, I, I I like this. I like the Kate and Anthony scenes, which I think were just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I'm here for this. And yes, and I if I would prefer there to be like mostly Kate and Anthony stuff instead of all the side stuff, like that's not a wish I'm I'm getting this this year. Um, but overall, like, was it like a romance novel? Yes, I think it was absolutely yes. like a romance novel. Yes. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Lydia, what have so. you been reading or watching? More of the same? So, 
Um, not really. Um, I have given up on the something something of Addie LaRue. Okay. <laughs> um, at some point I'll try to go back to it, but I struggled. I started it like five or six times and I just, I couldn't get into it. So I'm making it as a did not finish for right now. Um, hopefully I'll go back to it. We'll see. Um, instead what I am reading, because as you all listeners who are, you know, listened to us previously, um, know that I'm a massive Star Wars fan, like a massive Star Wars fan. Um, I am reading, um, E.K. Johnson's Padme series, which is really fun. Um, and the first one is The Queen's Shadow. And it, it is all about the relationship that Padme has with her handmaidens. Oh, sweet. It's so cool. It's so good. Um, and, like, each of these characters kind of gets their own perspective as to, like, the character of Padme Amidala. And it's just, it's, it's good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and the first one takes place just after she's finished her reign as queen, as just as she's starting her reign as senator. Oh, nice. Um, and she, one of her Padme, or one of her handmaidens, who is played by Kira Knightley in The Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. um, Sabe, is headed to Tatooine to work on freedom of Ooh. the slaves on Tatooine. Dang, that's cool. It's super cool. So um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, the last the last book in this trilogy came out last week, and that ha- that takes place like right after Attack of the Clones. Oh, okay. So like I'm kind of racing to get to that one because like I really want to get to that one. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm reading, and then um, I'm currently watching Moon Knight on Disney Plus, um, which is like bonkers weird, and I'm thoroughly enjoying how like bonkers weird it is. Also, again, Oscar Isaac can just Oscar Isaac has chemistry with his self with himself. I don't get it. I don't get about this man that makes him so goddamn like like likable and effable or like I don't know what it is about this dude, but fucking can have chemistry with himself and it fucking works. Um, so I'm watching Moon Knight. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's crazy. Um. There's some very kind of like very like conscious like mummy references yeah, yeah, in there, that. which I'm enjoying. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm ex- interested to see kind of where that plays out because there's only three episodes out so far, but I'm enjoying them. They're great episodes, and it, it's a super fun kind of crazy show. Nice. So, those are the two things that I'm into this week. Nice. Well, my mom and I finally finished our rewatch of Crash Landing on You. And let me tell you, that is a series, like a, a a show that is so tightly plotted. Every single tiny little detail, like pans out, like c- comes like full circle, and it's such a perfect bittersweet ending. So that was that was really gratifying. Um, and I started finally started Vita in Virginia. It came out a couple years ago, and it's um, I've been really enjoying it. The fashion's really fun. Like I really like the. Um, yeah, the chemistry between the two main characters and like the acting is really good and it's just kind of fun like watching the literary Bloomsbury set and all of that. So, I got to finish it, but it's been it's been good. I have I've like just been continuing to pick things up and not finish them. So, classic. <laughs> classic this year. Um 
So yeah, listeners, just a reminder that we are taking a break for a week. We'll be back the week after next with episode five, An Unthinkable Fate. And if you kind of really enjoy our podcast and have uh, might miss us next week uh, and you haven't listened to any of our Psy Changeling episodes, just kind of scroll back and check out some of those. Uh, maybe the introduction to the Psy Changeling world and you can decide if you want to start reading it, which, spoiler alert, you do. Uh, yeah, so check those out and then we'll be right back and ready to talk Bridgerton in no time at all. Yeah. Absolutely. So as always, please rate and subscribe. Tell people about us. Um, we want, you know, to have as many listeners as we can. So um, more, this will pop up, our um, podcast will pop up in more feeds if people give us ratings and um, reviews. So please do that. Um, as usual, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Calling Cards Pod, on Twitter at Cards Calling, on our website, callingcards.wixsite.com slash callingcardspod, or by emailing us at callingcardspod at gmail.com. Original music music by Postacat. Find out more by following at Postacat Music on Instagram. And usual, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.